3: I am seeing sunshine here in the CBD, but I'm seeing rain off in the distance, and traditionally when that happens, you should be able to see one hell of a rainbow somewhere. If you can, text me at 504-260-1870 and let me know, because I only got views of one direction here out of our studios. A great hour just now with Matt Haynes, author of The Big Book of King Cake, if you missed any of it. You can uh, go to uh, WWL.com and see the audio posted or here, uh, download the Odyssey app and use the Rewind feature. But he wrote the big book of King Cake, the little book of King Cake, and its stories behind all the bakeries. And it was a fascinating hour. And if you go to the big book dot com. That's his website. You can get both books, and he'll autograph them for you. So let me know if you see a rainbow, because I would think there would be one out there. There is always a rainbow whenever we talk to Ian McNulty, who joins us now. To talk about eating and drinking around the area. How you doing, Ian?
2: Someday we'll find it, Tommy. The, the rainbow? rainbow connection. Yeah. Well, the lovers, the dreamers, and us.
3: Mm, I think I've pretty well given up on that lover part. I think. Uh, <laughs> All right. Fine, I think fine. that's. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be a lot of cheese at the end of that tunnel. But that's not <laughs> what we're here to talk about. We're, <laughs> we're here to talk tea. about. It. Yes. Um, tell me what you've been doing. Where you have been eating, what you've been doing. Happy New Year to you and all that stuff.
2: Uh, yes, indeed, Tommy. It's been a glorious week on the food front. We had Twelfth uh, Night last weekend ushering in carnival season, known to some people as king cake season. Yeah, yeah, by yep, the way, could you,
3: could you, Matt Haynes, what a job he did with that book. He's, he's a great uh, Do you know him or not?
2: Oh, I do. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah. His book is great, and it's 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 beautiful. I, ha- I have it out of my coffee table right now, and I do a, all through carnival season. Uh, it's great to sort of window shop for the next king cake you want, but th- uh, what like I really you. admire about it is Go how, how in-depth he went, yeah. how in-depth he went with it. It really is like you see the personalities and the, and the family stories, and uh, in fact, a bakery that I learned about through Matt Haynes' Big Book of King Cake uh, It started as a pop-up called Nolita, and it just opened uh, in Faubourg St. John's, one of the mm-hmm. stories I'm running after today. Um, people might remember the old Mayhew Bakery on Orleans Avenue near the bayou. Uh, this is now called Nolita, and it's, it's a great story. It's a great king cake. Uh, Mackenzie's Lovers of the Mackenzie's old-fashioned style will appreciate this one. Slight updates here and there. Uh, but a lovely little neighborhood bake shop, and uh, that's one that I learned about through the research Matt did for for his book, and that that subject is uh, uh, Martha, the baker. She's just been been flourishing and uh, is in a new chapter with her, her new bake shop, and that's a a win for the neighborhood and a win for her and a win for everyone unless they happen to be uh, counting calories because that king cake is delicious and so is the tasso croissant that I plucked out of the bakery case there yesterday. And
3: and a lady that started, um, not started, but went from being homeless under the Crescent City Connection, that's part of the story. What you and Matt Haynes have in common is that both of you not just know the subject matter, but you do your research, you go in depth and you tell a story behind the story and that's why we love talking to you.
2: Well, that's why I love doing what I do, Tommy, because I'm taking my cues from uh, my New Orleans people, my audience. Um, they really have taught me through the years that they care very much about not just, uh, you know, a good deal on the menu or the new trend rolling through on their social media feed, but they really do care about the people and the stories uh, behind this food obsession that we share. And uh, it a, it's a, really is a privilege to have the opportunity to get in there. Tell the stories, share them, and uh, see where they go from there. It really is a very, uh, one of the most functional aspects of New Orleans culture I can think of, and one that just carries on so easily between generations and between people who may consider themselves strangers, but really do share a lot here in the city through that.
3: So, since we're talking about King Cake, what is this roving King Cake Party? What's all that about?
2: Oh, sure. So that King Cake Feast. Or is it King Cake Fest? They kind of play it both ways with the grammar. Uh, the, the the first edition was last night at Courtyard Brewery. I was actually there, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it, you've probably been to King Cake parties, or maybe sometimes just at a carnival party, a parade party, and suddenly like all these different King Cakes show up because everyone brought one. It's a similar idea, but it's it's more organized into a, like a festival party. And uh, what I like about it is it's it, it gathers all of these bakers uh that are are uh mostly home-based bakers a lot of pop-ups you know a lot of the, the people in the king cake game have become sort of household names in new orleans you know your Haydels, your Dong not yeah you know, that, you know it, the, the big names they carry on they just scream king cake when you hear them but these are much smaller operations like i say many of them based out of home and you get to see like what they're doing with with the idea of King Cake. And it's not just edible King Cakes, There's all, there are all these other vendors for King Cake jewelry, King Cake uh, costumes, King Cake home decor, <laughs> and anything at all about the, the obsession with King Cake will, will play through here in the vendors. And so the, it, they had the first edition last night and it continues each Thursday for the next three weeks of Carnival. I believe the next edition is gonna be at the Bayou Beer Garden, Bayou Wine Garden, over there by Bayou St. John. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was a lot of fun last night just to, to browse through, but it also uh, go, go early if you're really into it, because I, I saw quite a few vendors uh, just sold out, so maybe they'll stock up a little better for next time. But it was, it was good to see a, an enthusiastic crowd out there supporting these really micro businesses, not just cottage businesses.
3: How do you find out where they happen, or how do you take part in this, or is it a ticketed event? I'm a little bit confused about
2: that. No, not ticketed. Uh, it's it's held at at bars. Uh, last night was a, was a tap room. Um, the next one next Thursday will be at uh, Bayou Beer Garden. I believe the the one after that is the Rabbit's Hole, which is like an event space in Central City. And then they're back to the Bayou Beer Garden for the last one. So no free admission, and the bars are open. And uh, you know there's some nice live music rolling last night. So it really is. I call it a roving party because it moves around from location to location each week. Uh, but it does feel like a party. It's just kind of freewheeling. It's like, like showing up to a almost like an art market but the art is all king cake you know you just kind of browse through the different vendors try things oh and the key part that i should have led with this uh is that it's king cake by the slice so yes there's a human limit on how many actual king cakes <laughs> one is going to put down uh you should not measure your consumption in entire king cakes although sometimes it turns out that way around the mcnulty household uh but it is by the slice so you it's a great way to sample Different ones, you know, you're picking up a $5, $6, $7 slice here, there, the next one. And and even that, you know, you go with a friend or a couple people and you take a bite and pass it around. Toke, toke, pass, that kind of style. And uh, you uh, get to try a lot of different King Cakes in one spot and you might find a new favorite. So it's a lot of fun. And you can see I have a story on it with all the details on NOLA.com. If you just look up King Cake Feast, Ian McNulty, it should come up. Or you can find them on Instagram under uh, King cake Feast and look for updates there. Yeah,
3: you know, i like to bring the audience into it on the Elkwin Art Jeweler Talk and text line 504-260-1870. If you have any question about eating or drinking in New Orleans for um, Ian McNulty, who covers that for NOLA.com. But I'm looking at uh, a picture here of a King Cake from Rahm House ice cream, and a couple of things pop into my mind. Although that's ice cream, I get that, so it's different, but... I saw a story over the week about king cakes either being injected with the filling or with the filling baked in. How does that work with filled king cakes, Ian?
2: Well, it depends on what kind of king cake you're getting. Um, you know, all, most king cakes adhere to to our, our, our well, the circle, right? The, mm-hmm. the circle of life that is a king cake. But what goes on inside can play out in all kinds of different ways. So You see, it, now yes, that, I, that's it, why
3: you're a writer. You see what you did just now? <laughs> Sure. That's that's <laughs> Tim. Write that down, would you please? So I can steal that later. All right, good. Go <laughs>
2: ahead. Continue. Well, yeah, they take a slice of the king cake and then you see, you know, the, the geological pattern of, of what's actually going on inside like rings and in a yes, tree almost. Yes, right. Yeah, some have um, some, some, you know, when you watch a king cake being made, it's actually fascinating because, you know, it's, it's, we talked about it last week, just the, the skill and craft that goes into it. Uh, but th- you see them laying down the seam of, of filling. Maybe it's that cream cheese filling in some cases. Uh, and sometimes the king cake is made in such a way that it has these, uh, these holes that are, that are then filled in. They can be piped in with the different fillings. Um, I went to uh, Adrian's Bakery in Gentili the other day, picked up a Bavarian cream king cake. And the, the surface of this is you know, this is very old school style king cake from a very old-school neighborhood bakery, Adrian's and Gentilly. Uh, and it had all these little, almost these little kettle lakes on the surface uh, of the, the, the landscape of the king cake that were each filled with cream so that when you bite in, you get these different bursts of flavor. So, yeah, there's there's as many ways to conceive uh, how the king cake flavors are going to come at you as, as you can imagine, and many more that you haven't imagined. <laughs> That's why it's fun to pursue them around town.
3: All right, let's talk about um, Emeril Lagasse's new restaurant. Um, you've been?
2: Uh, not yet. It, this is a coming soon restaurant. Uh, so this is called 34, and the news just went out this week that, that it's, uh, that it's you know, officially under development. I took a peek in the building, and, and right now it's pretty much down to the slab. Mm-hmm. So they're saying late spring, but the restaurant is called 34. It's on Barone Street downtown across from the Rouse's uh, in the CBD there. It's an old furniture showroom from from the old days, and it, it's it's shaping up to be. And I'm very excited about this part. A Portuguese-inspired restaurant. Uh, Emeril Lagassi, if you know anything about him, his family heritage is Portuguese. Uh, he grew up in Fall River, Massachusetts, which is a enclave of Portuguese American culture, uh, and it is the menu details are scant right now, but they're talking about sort of. Shared plate style dining, which sounds Portuguese to me. The restaurants that I've been to uh, around the country that are Portuguese tend to have huge portions uh, and just big, hearty flavors. And the other detail that uh, really piqued my interest on this one was a jamón bar. Now, jamón is uh, the Spanish version of what some people may be more familiar with is prosciutto. That that just that fine cured ham that you just want to slice raise your thin and pop into your mouth uh, jamon is spanish uh but right. you know iberia right. there spanish and, and portuguese uh traditions there could blend a little bit on this menu so yeah look for look for 34 to come along uh this spring late spring and it should be exciting whenever, whenever emerald does always garners a lot of attention because he's the man and uh this one tapping into his roots working with his son ej who's Got a, a large and growing role in his company. It should be exciting. Uh, another one that, that actually just opened, uh, Tommy, in mid city is Porgy's Seafood Market. And I don't know if you and I had talked about this before, the run up, but they it's been taking shape for a while in mid city on Carrollton Avenue, close to Venetia's, Angelo Bricado's, that area. Uh, it used to be Bevy Seafood. Some will remember that as a seafood market, po' boy shop. But por- Porgy's is the name, and it's drawn up quite differently it's uh, a seafood market and a restaurant combined and when i say seafood market yes they're going to have boiled crawfish when those start coming in and we can talk about that in a minute if you want because it's a late season but more to the point there's a fish case there with just this glorious array of fish that's coming right from the dock in many cases right from uh, individual fishermen that the founders uh, who are restaurant people have been working with for years and the whole idea is to give New Orleans an outlet uh, for fish that's, A, coming right from the dock, and B, is not necessarily the same species that you always see on restaurant menus. Yes, there's snapper. Yes, there's tuna, and it's lovely. Uh, yes, there's drum and catfish. But rolling through there, you know, you're know, you going to see... Uh, All kinds of different snappers, all kinds. uh, You're going to see Spanish mackerel, which is fabulous fish that is all over the Gulf. It used to be all over New Orleans menus a few generations past, but you never see it anymore, but it's available. And you're going to see porgy, which is the name of the the market and the restaurant, uh, which I had a little of the other day. And I hasten to add, I'm not saying pogey, which is the little for bait fish, I'm saying Man. porgy, which is, yeah, yeah, exactly. This is not what that is. This is porgy, which is uh, a cute name for a delicious fish that again, you know, I've, I've caught them out in the Gulf before, uh, but you never see them on menus. Uh, but it, it's a, it's a nice fish. It's, it's, it makes a great crudo, which is what I love to do when I get really good fresh fish. And it's a good example of some of the stuff you're going to find there. A lot of people have asked me through the years, why doesn't New Orleans have a Joe Patties? If you're familiar with Joe Patty's, it's this really immense seafood market in Pensacola Mm. that a lot of people pass through when they go on a vacations down there, but it's more of a seafood market. You can get sushi rolls and food and this prepared food. Well, this is shaping up to be, albeit a much smaller, uh, representation of the same idea. So there's a restaurant side of things. You can get sandwiches. You can get anything from the case, Uh, any of those fish I talked about, uh, and it changes daily. They'll grill it. They'll blacken it. They'll fry it make a plate for you. Uh, There's a crudo of the day because they're getting this amazing Fish in—I mean, fresher than you're going to find anywhere—and in a great variety. And I'm—I'm personally very excited about it. I've been a few times already. I've gotten oysters there for home. I've gotten fish that I brought back and made crudo out of—sweet, sweet sweet crudo—and had a few dishes in the in the restaurant too. And um, it's—it's if you're a seafood lover, it's just shaping up to be a playground for a lot of things that we've we've had had trouble accessing locally
3: all right let's take a break we'll pick it up here we come back i want to talk about crawfish because we had a couple of uh interviews over the week that told us this is gonna be the worst crawfish season ever and i know that's going to have an effect on restaurant tours some people are texting in looking for king cake beer boudin king cake i want to talk about the road trip story that you wrote because Unfortunately, Saints, no playoffs. Maybe people might be looking for something to do over the weekend. Somebody else has been watching The Sopranos. They say they want to know about some Italian food, specifically why what they they hear, the pronunciation of it, never matches the way it's spelled, and maybe you can take us through uh, some Italian dishes. Etc. We come back. Ian McNulty covers food and dining culture for the Times Picayune, New Orleans Advocate. If you got any questions, comments? 504 260 1870. That's the Oakland Art Jeweler Talk and text line. I'll pass them along when we come back. Tommy Tucker, WWL.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hiya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. <laughs>
3: Favorite time of week talking to Ian McNulty covers food, dining culture for the Times Big U New Orleans Advocate text your questions at 504-260-1870 and I'll pass them along since we just talked about this I'm going to move this one to the front and I'm going to read it verbatim it says it was interesting listening to Ian McNulty talk about crudo what's crudo? for people oh, oh, that don't sure. know people that don't know what is that?
2: It's raw fish Okay. Uh, it's, the it- it's the Italian version of sashimi it's uh, it's well it's it's a, that's basically what it is but to, to me what makes it crudo is, is what you do with it you know you, you slice the fish and then you dress it so classically with crudo some olive oil some sea salt it's going to be as simple as that or you can really uh, jazz it up um, when i make crudo at home i'm, I'm reaching for some garlic chili uh, maybe some hot sesame oil uh, sprinkle a little of that, anything but the bagel stuff on there, clip some some green onions over the top, anything like that. It's, the idea is you're accentuating the flavor of this beautiful raw fish, just completely unmessed with, uh, but just, just brought up a little bit with the oils and the seasoning. And Tommy, I can I can eat my weight in that. Yeah. I I can be like you know grizzly bear by the side of the river, gorging on salmon level if you think of eating like crudo, because it's so light, and you just get this essence of, of what it is of this beautiful fresh fish that you're getting. And of course, you want it to be as fresh as possible. Um, and it's it it, it, it it has a lot of a lot of similarities to the sushi bar and to the raw bar. Okay. Um, just a little bit different flavor palette. So, Somebody's you see it in a her- lot of restaurants. Yeah, you see it in a lot of restaurants. A lot of Italian restaurants, more modern Italian restaurants, would have it. But um, well, let's talk about that since you sure. since
3: you mentioned it. What are some restaurants here if people want to try the Italian crudo?
2: Sure, uh, one that comes to mind is actually a Spanish restaurant, um, but Castera. You know, it's Mediterranean, a lot of interplay. Europe, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, they always have a really nice uh, crudo there. Uh, it's Castera on Portania Street um you can see where have I found some good crudo recently dominica often has some rolling through it's italian uh avo I've seen good crudo there another good italian restaurant on magazine street it's not really your red sauce italian joint kind of place uh that you'd find this but more of the, the modern regional italian or spanish restaurants
3: all right somebody's looking for a king cake flavored beer do you know anything about that
2: yeah, I do, actually. I had one the other day. Uh, Zoni Mash uh, has, has some King Cake-flavored beer. Zoni Mash is uh, the home of King Cake Hub, and that's by, as we discussed earlier, the, the Pumpin Station on Broad Street. with Broadcom kind of melds into Washington Avenue and Napoleon Avenue close by over there. Uh, and it's, King Cake Hub has King Cakes from all different bakeries all in one place that so you can do some a one stop shop. And of course, the brewery has made a king cake beer. They actually use some king cake in the brewing process. And that one, I believe, really? was Stout. Had that last year. The one I just had was from Urban South, another brewery that's on uh, Chapatoulas Street, not far from the Crescent City Connection and the convention center. And they collaborated with Dong Fong, the uh, famous Vietnamese bakery from New Orleans East, whose King Cakes is such a mania. It's uh, actually hard to, hard to get hands on them, but they are that good. And they collaborated with Dong Fong and made uh, a, a, a series of beers. I believe there's four different flavors uh, that are made with some of the King Cake and meant to go with them. And if you go to the tap room, at the right time, uh, it was sold out the time that I went. But they do um, they do offer pairings, so you can you can actually pair these different beers with different versions of the Dongfeng King Cake that they're meant to go with. Uh, the one that I had, I got a King Cake and and, uh, and I got a beer and brought it home. It was um, I got the traditional Dongfeng King Cake and sort of the the, the flagship uh, Urban South Dongfeng King Cake beer, and it was tasty. It's a, it's a sour ale. Uh, so you think about this sweet, rich, pastry-like dung king cake with all of its layers, almost croissant-like in the way that it's composed. And you're washing that down with a beer that is uh, not malty, but has a little tang to it, a little bit of sourness, and it cuts through it. And, Tommy, I could say, you know, in, in Mardi Gras season, that could be a pretty good morning beer, mm. you know? You start off your day with a little king cake and a and a, and a sour ale, and... You know, look, look, gaze upon the uh, the the Boltons of the day. For which parade you going to watch? Pretty pretty solid start to the day.
3: Oh, I thought you meant going to work.
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> when in Rome, everyone works. At, not, yes. not everyone works at the desk. Yes.
3: All right. So somebody texted in. they've been watching The Sopranos, and mm-hmm. they want to know what Brejul is. I think that's what they're talking about. What they texted in. And some of the other words I hear, monicotte and all these kind of things, I think they're having a hard time going from the pronunciation to what to order on a menu.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, in, in The Sopranos, they're talking, uh, a, you know, a uh, probably the the unofficial New Jersey dialect. Kind of like the yet. New it's New their New
3: version New year, of yet, right?
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, monicotte. Manicot. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Superset. So Soprasetta. You know, uh, that that's that kind of thing. Just that's a, that's right on, Tommy. Like, imagine you're talking to a yat who's uh, who's, <laughs> who's translating your Italian menu for you. So, what is uh, bruschetta? What are
3: some po- some popular like family Italian dishes if people are going out to a restaurant and they want to try them?
2: Yeah, well, that's a great example, uh, and that's one that is it, basically it's a roulotte. So it's like a rolled uh, rolled uh, meat dish. We're talking about uh, bruschetta now. Yeah. And how is right.
3: that spelled for people that try
2: to order it? Uh, okay. The ways I've seen it are B R A C I O okay. L E. Yeah. Okay. Which like, sounds like look some at kind it, of a brachiole but Brijole. Something some an ENT
3: it. would deal with the brachiole, but it's not. <laughs> right. It's brachiole. Yes. all
2: right But yeah. but here's where it gets interesting. In New Orleans you might see it more as oh, don't ask me to spell this time, more of a brucelloni that that is because that's coming from the sicilian and in new orleans a lot of the immigration patterns we had here were from sicily so go, go go you know go figure um it can be made a lot of different ways uh beef is the most typical one i see you know you might see a pork version a veal version and it really is the kind of thing that that is more common at home i think uh, to still to this day. Um, it it. It's a labor intensive Mm -hmm. dish. It takes a long time to cook. And and basically what you're doing is you're taking a, a a piece of, of meat, let's say, let's call it beef. You're pounding it thin. Uh, you're stuffing it with breadcrumbs, cheese, herbs, maybe some prosciutto if you're getting into that, that level. Uh, and then it's rolled up and then, the ways I've seen it, usually braised in sauce. Although, you know, with a lot of these home-style dishes, there's not one definitive way to do it, much like there's not one definitive way to say it or spell it, much less. Um, but where are you going to find this? Uh, I think I've seen, I've seen something like this come around at Mandina's on, on their specials list. You might find... Uh, you might find it at – look for it on a specials board. I would say like Vincent's on St. Charles Avenue or out in Metairie might be a place you would find it. Uh, but I'm telling you, your best bet is <laughs> to cozy up to someone with a Nona, an Italian grandmother, you know, who's going to make one of these things on a Sunday. And hey, as you mentioned, no, uh, no more um, – no more Saints, Saints football yep. on Sunday, so you got to you got to do some cooking.
3: Um, somebody texted in with the cold weather coming, looking for some good comfort food soups and gumbo's.
2: Oh sure, well gumbo, you know, I mean you're, <laughs> you're in the belly of the beast for that. The thing I love about gumbo, Tommy, is how many different ways you can cut it. Right, you can go to Mister B's Bistro, upscale restaurant in the French Quarter. I have that gumbo yaya, yeah, yeah, and it's fantastic. You can go to Little Dizzy's. Uh, Creole sole restaurant on Esplanade Avenue in Treme and have a bowl of gumbo, and it's fantastic. And it's completely different. That's the Creole gumbo style, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the gumbo yaya is that thick country style, I call it, and do sausage and chicken. Creole gumbo, a little thinner, uh, bro, a little thinner roux, almost broth like, uh, but deeply flavored with crab and different types of meat, many different types of meat, always some hot sausage in there. And then you can go to like a takeout joint and have phenomenal gumbo served in a a styrofoam cup that'll fit in the cup holder in your car. And you can sip on it like it's a beverage while you're stuck in traffic. I mean, the way that gumbo plays out across New Orleans is fascinating. And I'll give you an example of that last one, Orchid Seafood. it's It's on Broad Street not far from Esplanade Avenue, and it's a takeout seafood joint with big vats of gumbo behind the counter there, and they just ladle it into these giant cups, and off you go. It's almost as swift as grab-and-go, almost as delightful as that, Um, and it's a big, hearty, delicious serving. The gumbo is fantastic. It's inexpensive. I think a quart's like less than $10 still, uh, and it's legit. And, you know, from white tablecloth to uh, the cup holder in your car, that's how you can play gumbo.
3: You know, and I think comfort food, the, the ultimate to me is like Salisbury steak or hamburger steak, gravy, mashed potatoes, and peas, right? Who, who, mm-hmm. who, where would we go to get something like that? Who's got the best one or better
2: ones? Lenny's Cafe flashes into my mind first. Okay. <laughs> this is one of those sole survivors down in the CBD of the old-fashioned New Orleans lunch joint. And it's the you know the hard plastic plates that divide yes. into three little little portions. And that's what uh, I was envisioning,
3: yeah. actually, and and not the little sweet peas, those big, the serious peas, right?
2: Sure. Yeah, talking serious peas here. Yeah, <laughs> with mashed potatoes and a little maybe a little little beaten onion salad on the mm-hmm. side, and then this big slab of hamburger steak. Uh, Lenny's, if you don't know about it, it is fantastic. It's a breakfast and lunch joint. It's on Barone Street. Um, about a, I think it's the same block or block down from that Rouse's that we mentioned earlier, right? Really close to Emerald's new restaurant. And it is, it is old school to the core, right down to the the analog cash register ringing up sales in the corner. And you, wow. you go in there and you see high school kids just getting a snack uh, after school, and you see uh, power broker lawyers uh, sitting down over a, over a <laughs> over hamburger steak on a, on a divided plate. Uh, another one in the same school, really, is Hobnobbers on uh, Carondelet Street. And this is a true hidden gem. This is on Carondelet, that last block before canal. And uh, it's, it, it, you, you have to do a trust fall to know it's there. There's a bar up front, Hobnobbers Bar. But on the side, there's a little separate entrance. And you find this uh, small dining room and an, a counter to order at in the back, and that's it. And it's one of these places that has, for, for many, many years, uh, served up these great value lunches and breakfasts uh, to people working downtown, whether they're in uh, you know an office job or working in the hotels, uh, and they've got a you know fleet of, of bicycles for, for deliveries, and again, huge value, big portions, great flavor, home cooked, down home, and a survivor, really kind of some of the last of their breed. Uh, so I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, that's comfort food incarnate. But yeah, with this cold weather coming down the pike, Tommy, uh, I think I think the comfort food callings are going to be a little more keen. I've uh, been looking at uh, different soups around town that I really like, and I fell back in love with one that I hadn't had in a while, even though this restaurant's right down the street from me, Mona's Cafe, Middle Eastern Restaurant. They make this lentil soup that's kind of standard on uh, Middle Eastern menus, um, and, but it is it really is a standout there. And it's $5, and you get this soup that's just about meal-sized, and you stir in some of the chunky hot sauce they have there, and sprinkle the top of the fried pita chips, mm. and it's just earthy and warming and uh, nourishing, and act still kind of light on the belly, and just perfect.
3: Um, somebody texted in that Sal and Judy's, and I got this from a couple of different people, have um, great uh, bruschule.
2: Okay, yeah, oh, and it's yeah, always on a the call. menu. That's a good call. Okay, yeah, that's that's a see that's. That's, that's the natural habitat also. I mean, if you can't find a Nona to cook this for you at home on some Sunday, Sal and Judy's is definitely the surrogate Nona for a lot of people. Other follows. people are
3: saying uh, um, risotto, Risotto's has it. Risotto's? Yeah, because Risotto is a yeah. dish in of itself, right?
2: Sure. Yeah, Risotto's is the steakhouse Italian restaurant in Lakeview and also in Gretna. That's a good call.
3: And what was the diner on Barone, somebody wants to know?
2: Lenny's Cafe. Lenny's it's Cafe? L-E-N-I. Yeah, Lenny's Cafe. And it's, I think— uh, it's a- a Greek diner without a single Greek dish on the menu. I think <laughs>
3: Mandina's figure. comes to mind when I think comfort food as well with the big plate of food.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. We, when, you see, when you see people walking into Mandina's, you know they're going to be leaving with takeout boxes. And that the specials list is where it's at at Mandina's. I mean, it's, that's where a lot of stuff just survives. That for, from old-school, old-time home cooking uh, transferred to a restaurant. The, the specials list changes daily, of course, and it's, uh, there's always something fabulous on there.
3: Either That's leaving the with thing. a takeout bag or an unbuckled pair of pants, I'll tell you that. Thank you, Ian McNulty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, Tommy, uh, congrats, everybody. You made it to another weekend, and I uh, hope everyone has a... Have a fab, fabulous weekend out there. Be generous, be good, be safe, and I'll catch you next time.
3: Yeah, let's go get some king cake. Thank you, sir. Ian McNulty covers food, dining culture. For the times U, New Orleans advocate, just Google Ian McNulty. You'll find all of his links. 944, we'll talk NFL playoffs when we come back with Bobby Ventura. Right now, it's time for WWL Traffic.
0: His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. Hi-ya!